0: Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields, touchdown, Georgia Southern. Pass swings, on the way, it's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Welcome to
1: Georgia Southern Extra. I'm your host, Nathan Dominance, the Savannah Morning News uh, content sports content editor and SavannahNow.com editor. And we have, uh, we always talk about Georgia Southern athletics, and we have a special guest today. Who better to talk about Georgia Southern athletics, especially football? And then Danny Reed, the voice of the Eagles. Danny, welcome to the show.
0: Nathan, I appreciate you having me. It's always nice to reconnect.
1: Yeah, yeah, we 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 go back a little bit, uh, little bit. <laughs> which we'll get. Uh, so uh, Danny Reed has been doing Georgia Southern athletics uh, broadcasts, podcasts online streaming, whatever have you, radio, wherever you can find Georgia Southern Athletics since 2015, and uh, we were just saying 2016 as far as full seasons, so when did you come into the fray? Why did you jump into the fray there, Dan?
0: This one actually goes back to really 2007 after I graduated college. I spent the season as an intern with the Hagerstown Suns baseball team in Western Maryland, kind of Western Maryland. It's about halfway in between where Baltimore and Cumberland is, my hometown. And then I ended up getting the job in Charleston, South Carolina with the River Dogs, where I spent seven years there. And that's where Nathan and I first met each other while in the very steamy press box at Historic Grayson <laughs> Stadium sometime right. between 2008 and 2011. That's but right. Then, then uh, moving on to the Citadel for three years up until 2014 and then getting back in a minor league ball for one season. But this was a job that I kind of always had an eye on. I got to know Chris Blair really well, got to be really good friends with him and his crew. We just clicked right away whenever I was at the Citadel, and they were still in the Southern Conference. It seemed like a really cool spot with a lot of passion, and I started to learn more about Eagle Creek Water and Eric Russell and just why they felt the way that they did. And then when Chris got the LSU job in the summer of 15, I jumped all over it and was lucky enough to make it through the candidate pool, got hired and got here in September. And here we are.
1: Well, I think everyone can hear that you're, you're a great choice. Danny's so, uh, he's so spontaneous and spot on and knowledgeable. If anybody who's heard his broadcast knows that he's on top of things, there's not, not any dead air. I don't think between you and your, uh, your peers. Uh, and then George Southern football is always giving you something interesting and new To talk about Uh, right now we're taping on Wednesday going into the BYU game on Saturday 4 p.m. at uh, Paulson Stadium 25,000 capacity Paulson Stadium and we're looking right now as we speak as a probable sellout a pretty close will they do overflow will they do standing room only.
0: Uh, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of people on the hills on Saturday. We haven't had a crowd of 20,000 plus since that Thursday night game against Appalachian State back in 2016. And there's a number of reasons. You had the struggles from 16 and 17 during some of the Saturday games. Of course, COVID last year, where you couldn't get more than 6,500 inside of Paulson. But knowing how well BYU's fans are planning on traveling and knowing how this is the final home game, it is senior day, where as of right now, I think 19 mm-hmm. seniors are going to be honored. I would be shocked if this doesn't scratch towards 25. It's going to be 20 for sure, which is going to make it one of the top 35 crowds in Paulson Stadium history. But there is a stat that I always like to go to. If it happens to reach 23,500, which would be awesome, which I've only seen, I think, twice since I've gotten here. If it reaches 23,500, Georgia Southern has never lost. They're 7-0 all time.
1: See, he knew that right off the top of his head. He doesn't have a little person next under you know next to him feeding him all this information it's all right right there right danny?
0: well he's invisible you just can't see <laughs> he's back behind on his
1: shoulder oh it's like a, a ratatouille there's a rat somewhere just feeding <laughs> you all the cooking instructions that's a disney reference we i know our, our listeners are big disney fans i would assume danny uh, you, i i want to ask since you do various sports what what are the uh difficulties and about covering each sport uh, baseball football and i think you've done some equestrian recently i'm not sure
0: I haven't announced. Actually, yes, I did. I I announced public address in an equestrian event this summer with my girlfriend, Daryl Lynn Roberts, out at the Agricultural Center that just got finished not too long ago. Out like you're going towards 301. More of a PA deal, but I never announced something (laughs) like that. So getting a chance to talk about the riders and the horses, I'm
1: That's where the big money is, right? In in public announcing.
0: That's that's what I hear. That's what I hear. But football-wise, it takes a whole week to get ready for a game, and it's a lot different when you have an entire crew. Terry Harvin, my color broadcaster, with our producer and spotter, Colin Lacey, and then our tailgate crew with Frank Solkowski and Russ Brown. We're all working together to input things that we know, but trying to make it so it all makes sense. We're not talking about the same things the whole time, but giving different perspectives, being able to come up with different nuggets and try to provide some history. Now, this weekend's different because these two teams have never played each other. BYU would never have a reason to be in Statesboro, and Georgia Southern would never have a reason to be in Provo. So history-wise, we're going to be making it as we do it to get ready for a football game, it takes a whole week. There's just so many players. There's so much information. And when you're doing it at a place like Georgia Southern, you better know what you're talking about because people will net, you know, pretty quickly. If you are wrong, <laughs> then when you go to basketball, it's just it's so fast. You, you have yeah. more games. It's about three times as many games, but you only have 12 to 15 guys on a roster. You can get to know all of them pretty personally, getting yeah. to travel with them and getting to work with the coaching staff. So it's a different kind of call where you're not thinking a whole lot. You're just go, 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 because everybody likes to be up and down the floor, score as much as possible, force a lot of turnovers and what have you. And then baseball, the year ends, you get to settle it down and be nice and calm. Colin and I have a nice three-hour conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like you can be on your back porch just talking about anything, and there just happens to be a baseball game going on.
1: Yeah, so Vince Scully versus a, a hockey announcer – different worlds uh you know do you have did you have an influence as far as broadcasting you grow up and grow up in maryland i wonder if as i did i i'm a lot older than danny so uh john miller with the orioles was one that was pretty memorable of course people know him from the national nationally uh doing espn games and i guess he was the giants local broadcaster after maybe uh leaving baltimore unfortunately for us but uh is there somebody that you grew up listening to, whether it was a Vince Scully type or Tony Kubek or Joe Gargiol or Red Barber? I don't know,
0: just Al oh, Allen. People in my area are split between baseball wise between the Orioles and the Pirates because you're about two hours away from both. Oh, and okay. I'm definitely familiar with Chuck Thompson, definitely familiar with Joe Miller. did Chuck
1: Thompson come come up with like Katie Bar the door? Was that his <laughs> or Uncle Uncle Charlie or something? <laughs>
0: Chuck Thompson he, was
1: old school. Old school.
0: And when you had the old television broadcast for the Orioles on HTS, I grew up watching Mel Proctor and John Lowenstein. And Proctor was a little over the top, but I absolutely loved it. I loved his passion. And then when Michael Ray Guy stepped into the booth, i will not saying that I'm an Orioles fan, but those are a lot of the local broadcasts that we got. And then for the Pirates, heavily influenced by Greg Brown and Lanny for Terry. I mean, Lanny was the voice for the Pirates for 33 years before he stepped down in 2009. And the ironic thing is he's actually now a professor of communication at Waynesburg University where I graduated back in 07. So we've communicated quite a bit. We just
1: had some breaking news. What's the name of the school that you went to?
0: Well, at the time it was Waynesburg College, but I graduated in 2007. At the time they were making the transition from college to university status. They had the letterhead, the masthead, all that, whatever you want to say, they were changing some of the signs on campus. But my diploma still says Waynesburg College, even though it's technically Waynesburg University now.
1: And, Way- and Waynesburg University sounds better, but uh, Wayne, what are they, the fightin' what, the
0: fightin' what? They're are they? the yellow jackets, but the weird thing is our colors were orange and black, so.
1: Oh, no. okay, so what kind of yellow jackets are orange and black, like Halloween colors?
0: Yeah, it was trick or treat for four years up, <laughs> up in southwestern Pennsylvania. But the, well, a couple of the people that uh, influenced me, being a, well, I grew up a Redskins fan. I know they're the Washington football team now, yeah. but I thought Frank Herzog was outstanding. Yeah. I love listening to him, and I still try to find old highlights because I just love the way he sounds. And like you said with Scully, it's tough to not listen or watch him call a game and not learn something from somebody that's watched. That much, not just baseball, but football. He's called so many other sports and so many different venues. You'd be foolish to not take something away from every time he speaks.
1: It's kind of like Al Michaels. These are national people. Um, Not that any of our our podcast listeners may care, but I I used to work with Frank Herzog as a summer intern at WJLA in Washington, D.C. So I did spend a summer with him. And I I don't know Sonny Jurgensen. And then Sam Huff just passed away literally a couple days ago. For people that grew up with the Washington football team previously known for decades as the Washington Redskins, that was the team, the broadcast team, before it kind of got broken up as uh, radio uh, syndicates and corporations and stuff make decisions that aren't always popular. Uh, but I, while we're talking about D- Danny Reed, the life story here, so what uh, I know you, you're probably get, get asked most of the time, what's your favorite sport to do, and uh, and do you have any kind of trick answer to that very straightforward question?
0: The answer that I usually give is the sport that is in season. Oh. So it's not show favoritism <laughs> to one or the other. But if I had to show one towards the yeah. other, it's got to be baseball. There is just something so, so special about a baseball broadcast that is made for the radio. Look, I love football. I love yeah. basketball. But baseball really gets to your heart.
1: You have to paint a picture. And and uh, I don't know if you used uh, the first one of the first baseball broadcasters I ever got to know was the St. Lucie Mets Class A Florida State League. And he had a, an hourglass that he would flip over. And that's just not high tech. And I said, what, what's that for? And he said, to remind myself to give the score. Because he was working yeah. by himself. He, you know, yep. there's a, however many, not 162, but there's what, 140 minor league games at least?
0: Yeah, I mean, give or take, yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of lonely time in the booth there. A lot of hours to fill, especially
0: during a rain delay or something. The broadcaster for Troy, Barry McKnight, still uses the hourglass trick.
1: Well, I've heard you with him on your podcast. By the way, uh, Danny, I should probably plug uh, our competition, the the podcast you do every Monday night with Colin Lacey. What do you you want to say about that?
0: Inside Eagle Nation is every Monday about 6 to 7 p.m. We talk everything going on at Georgia Southern this time of the year. It's mostly about football, but with the overlap season, we've been able to get into a little basketball. We spend a lot of time on our Olympic sports. We have guests most weeks. We've had – Our very popular Eagle Tail segment, where Roger Inman, who has been here for close to 50 years now, pulls out stories from every possible situation. Those are all backlogged on our website, and you go back and listen to those at any time. We've had some great stories from uh, Rodney Hennon, from Big Frank, from Terry, from Miss Helen Yates, who has been to every Georgia Southern basketball home game since 1986. So she has seen. So many great performers at Hanner Fieldhouse and even going back to the old alumni gym. She was there. She was there to watch Scotty Perkins and Don Wallen, guys that were able to do it during the during the era before we got to watch pictures in color. But she, if there's anything <laughs> about Eagle basketball,
1: hey, she's just, are, uh, are they allowed to uh, have a jump ball if she's not there? Do they wait for her?
0: We We've gotten pretty close to that.
1: Okay. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna take a commercial break here, but I'm gonna give Danny something to to stew over. That was a good pun because I'm gonna ask him about his favorite food stops in the uh, Sunbelt Conference. We won't go back to the Southern Conference, but if for anybody that listens to the podcast or, or or has met Big Frank, food is an important part of their 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 uh, co- topics of conversation, and they they grill. Oh, there's another good one. I'm doing this on, off my head. Tell me. They grill other broadcasters, other voices of the Trojans, voices of the uh, Bobcats, what have you. They grill them about what are the best places to eat when they come visit on these road trips, right? And so what do do you tell them when they're saying we're coming to Statesboro? And then what are your favorites of the ones that you've been to in Troy, Mobile, uh, Boone, all the the now uh, San Marcos, all the different places that you've got to go? They actually pay Danny to do this, by the way to go eat barbecue at the best joint in town. I, he probably even writes it off with the, with the receipt. I, we're going to find out. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Uh, but I'm going to take a break right here. We'll bring back Daniel Reed, voice of the Eagles, right after I plug the best source for local news in Savannah, the Savannah Morning News, and savannahnow.com. You want to know the latest on the Georgia Southern football team? And here we are with basketball. Men's and women's basketball teams are doing fantastic. Uh, as we tape this on Wednesday, I think the women have a game tonight. Am I right? All right. Uh,
0: They're actually playing in about 45 minutes.
1: Okay, well, I'm I'm keeping you from that. I'm sure uh, <laughs> you want to know about now. Uh, also, Savannah State. We've been writing a lot about them. They had an 8 and 2 season, didn't get to go to the NCAA Division II playoffs. They got jumped in the rankings on the last weekend of the season, so that was a heartbreaker for them. Um, and also, high school. Right in, right during the high school football playoffs, we got four teams in our coverage area still alive. So so. Um, you get all that plus news features and opinions and there's no shortage of any of those things in the Savannah area if you're not a subscriber now's the time to try us out you can get full access to our digital content now the old the old uh, old uh, discount was $1 a month for six months but I've been checking this every broadcast and it's $1 for six months $1 for six months So, like I say we're practically paying you. Danny's probably got a dollar on him right now to get six months, which will carry you. Oh, he doesn't. What do you know? Yeah, he'll carry you all the way through. They need to pay him more. I'm going to, it's on the record. Uh, that'll carry you all the way through basketball season so you can learn how to say Getty's last name. The three-point specialist, the wingman for the uh, men's basketball team. How do you say Getty's last name? Uh, but, we'll, but anyway, find out. Go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and give us a try. Sign up at SavannahNow slash subscribe now. The special is a dollar for six months. Can't beat that. Anyway, we're gonna come back now. Danny's had a chance to look for that dollar. Danny Reed, welcome back to the show. We were talking about food. Um what are your favorite places to recommend in Statesboro? Not that you're getting a kickback from any of the local haunts but Uh, I I know when when people come to Savannah, I have some go-to spots, but uh, what are some places that you recommend to your peers? So you're gonna see them later, you don't wanna give them any any bad advice.
0: See, it's tough to recommend places here because a lot of the teams that come here for football are either staying in Savannah or Augusta. So they're not getting into town until really they're setting up right before the game. So they might be able to swing and get something on their way out of town. So most of the time it's they're getting to wherever their hotel is, and then they're having to come an hour or whatever from Augusta, Savannah to get here. But personally in town, uh, Daryl and I really like Sugar Magnolia, right uh, right next to Eagle Creek Brewing Company, a former spot for the Inside Georgia Southern football show, will now Hare Southern Live, which is also a spot I enjoy getting to when when, when we get an opportunity. Bull and Barrel is really good. We like Patterson's on 67. I'm not getting paid by any of these places, but whenever (laughs) I actually get a chance to go do something that's not work, those are some places that we enjoy. There's a
1: free appetizer in it for you maybe.
0: Yeah, that's
1: Uh, right. So so that – well, there you go. Everybody got a little inside – and there's that phrase, inside baseball. That I just hear so much. So that – you got the inside scoop that these teams don't really get to stay in Statesboro – Long enough other than to spend a really long time at the drive through at Arby's, most likely.
0: The, well, the good thing is that the guys that do football mostly do basketball, baseball, too, in the Sun Belt. So when they come back to the other sports, okay. then is when we can actually go and explore. Oh, we can go here. We can go there. We can actually show mm-hmm. what Statesboro is instead of saying, oh, Savannah, you might be able to go there. Augusta, you might be able to go there. It's just a little bit more spread out and you can't physically see it.
1: What do you recommend in Savannah? I, I'm interested now.
0: I've only been there once for a really nice sit down, but Garibaldi's was wonderful.
1: I've not been there. I cannot say yeah or name, but it's been around. Yeah, that's a good choice.
0: Went to the Pink House once, and Excellent. if you want lunch, uh, I love Zunzi's.
1: Okay, good, good, all good calls. All have specialties, and um, everybody's got it now. Danny Reed's so food, food selections. Uh, let's talk some sports now, if you don't mind. <laughs> there okay. You go. Okay. The the I, I know we've got. And you were at the, the uh, press conference on Monday. We're, once again, we're taping on Wednesday. Um, when when you look at the schedule and you look at the team's record and you look at the, the lineup of teams that they're playing, you had a, a then number 21-ranked Coastal Carolina coming here with aspirations of having a great season still. You have BYU, number 14 in the country, coming here, highest-ranked FBS team to ever come to Paulson Stadium, all the way back to two weeks ago when Coastal Carolina was here. It's uh, old old news now. Uh, the the paper's probably yellowed since you wrote that on uh, the number 21. That was what November 6th, and then um, they've got still got a, a road trip to Appalachian State. So this kind of not only is it a murderer's row of a schedule, but it also is like bowl game after bowl game after bowl game in terms of making their season. Like, well, we're three and seven, two and five in the conference. We're not three and seven yet, yeah, right? Well. Yeah, so we're we're uh, we're not having this anywhere close to the season that we wanted to in terms of wins and losses, in terms of conference titles, in terms of a bowl game, but we can knock off number 14 BYU or we can really ruin Appalachian State's season perhaps if they could somehow not get, knock them out of the uh, Sunbelt top. Do you see that as any kind of a re- reality for the fans even? If they can pull that off, do you see them – I think I joked with you about uh, they should put twenty-five thousand dollars aside for them storming the field this Saturday. I think that's the going fee, right, for for the fine for storming the field. I don't know what the conference bill
0: is. Yeah, I don't think the Sun Belt has a fine because when the Eagles did it three years ago after beating App State, I'd never heard a word about it. Then when App State did it earlier this year after they beat Coastal up in Boone, I didn't hear anything about it. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's just something that takes place real quietly. Maybe keep you know, Hill <laughs> does things yeah. a little bit differently.
1: That puts a pretty big dent. Nobody wants to pay $25,000. So. Well,
0: you've you got four new teams coming to the league, so maybe you could take some of that extra. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, how, however you want to slice the pie. But really, these games that are left, it's whatever you want to make up. If you want to call them a bowl game, if you want to say, hey, let's ruin BYU's chance to go to a New Year's Six, if you want to ruin App's chance potentially to win the East Division, then okay. But in App's case, if they win this weekend at Troy, they'll clinch the East and then George Southern would simply be playing for a rivalry game. But I mean, next week's next week, and that game will sell itself. Those two do not like each other, but they respect each other because of all the successes that they've had, and that'll simply be to end the season on a good note, and if they want to trade it like a bowl, that's fine. But specifically with BYU, it's tough to gather a story for this because they don't know anything about each other. Mm-hmm. But going a little bit deeper on it, You've got the Eagles that are going to be led by Clay Helton here in the next couple of weeks. BYU ends its season next week at USC. So they've got a live scout basically from Coach Helton, who's going to be at the game. It's going to be a packed house. Like we mentioned for the first time in five years, both teams do have a national championship tradition. In fact, BYU won one in 84, the last team from a non-power conference to win one. And at that point, the ranking system changed a little bit so the powers to be didn't see that happening again <laughs> which is why a right. UCF a Cincinnati is going to have yeah. to do things otherworldly to even get into the college football playoff under the yeah. under the specific scene. But also very proud walk-on traditions. That's how Georgia Southern's program restarted back in 81 because everybody was a walk-on. And BYU is known throughout this country about how many walk-ons they have year by year on their squad. They have a really strict recruiting standard because of their honor code. You've got the mission trip that you have to go on, which in some cases can interrupt a guy's career by at least two years. So they recruit very specifically and getting guys to buy in and the walk-on program is all part of that.
1: Yeah. It's uh well let's talk about it. we're not assuming anything about uh, a Georgia Southern upset win. We're just saying that if if it did happen it would it would kind of make their season. It's it's not exactly a great analogy to like Army Navy where Navy or Army could do anything the rest of the year, but if they beat if Army beats Navy or if Navy beats Army, that's a good season. That's a good maybe they they've raised their bar so much since that was the going motto, I guess. But if you have a great, if you're having a good season and you lose to Navy, it's not a good season. If you're having a good season at Navy and you lose to army, it no longer becomes a good season. I don't think, I don't, I think that the hatred or the rivalry, the respect, respect to rival it is. It is a very strong thing. Well, you mentioned about, um, bring uh, BYU, bring young. The, the players are probably leaning toward a little older. Uh, I was looking at their starting quarterback. Of course, people know who the quarterback was last year, Zach Wilson, sure. number two overall pick. And he had something like, um, 33 touchdowns to three interceptions. And, you know, I had Dax Milne, who you know now, um, as wide receivers averaging about 100 yards a game in reception. So they could throw the ball all over the place. I guess most people saw them when they lost. If they saw them, they saw them lose to Coastal Carolina in a whale of a game. But uh, the new quarterback, Jaron Hall, sophomore six one he's got um, his, his. I know you know all this, uh, but his mom was a gymnast at BYU. His dad was a running back at BYU. His brother was a running back at BYU. He's the quarterback. You know it's in his genes to to be doing what he's doing, and he um he's got uh three interceptions, uh 16 touchdowns, so he's not quite up to 33, but still an excellent ratio. These guys they just do everything well, right? There's um I was looking even their punter, and we the we have a great punter with Anthony Beck. Uh, their punter uh, Ryan Reco, 33 punts, 1600 yards, 48.5 average, a long of 83 yards. You don't see that every day, a long of 83 yards. 16 punts over 50 yards so i guess they should anticipate uh, if byu does punt not a great return
0: well part of that is being 4,500 feet above sea level <laughs> okay and he okay. actually he would be fifth in the country in punting average but he doesn't have enough punts to qualify it gives you an instance of how good their offense has been this
1: that's year. right that's right so every the, every you look across the board they're running back i know you guys talked a lot about him on the podcast tyler allgaier Uh, was he he tied for the country lead with 17 touchdowns just on his own. Yeah. Uh, he's got, uh, 1600 yards already. Uh, these guys average over 116 yards a game. They just, they can run the ball. They can pass the ball. They have great defense. They can punt the ball. Their kicker is excellent. Their kickoffs. I think he's got, uh, I mean, this is uh, just an indication, not, not a main point, but 44 kickoffs, 30 touchbacks. So they, and maybe that goes to the, uh, the, the mountain area, but, uh, Provo, but, They do everything well. That's why they're 14th in the country maybe could be even higher.
0: A year ago, they got caught in a bit of a situation because as an independent, when COVID hit, they basically had to redo their schedule. They had six power five teams that they were going to play last year. And when they redid their schedule, you had the perfect storm up. It got a lot weaker, and they were a really strong team. Zach Wilson had a lot to do with that. But getting a chance to watch that Coastal game, maybe to see how they might line up against a Georgia Southern version of the option, I felt they should have won the game by two touchdowns because they were just going up and down the field against Coastal. They were doing whatever they wanted to. Coastal, though, was able to generate a couple of long scoring drives. I think one of their touchdown drives was more than nine minutes. And The best way to keep somebody like that from scoring is don't give them the ball. And even the last play of the game, they stopped Milne at the one yard line. Otherwise, BYU would have came back and won that contest. But ever since Lavelle Edwards got there in the early 70s, they've been a team that's thrown the football with with McMahon, with Young, with Ty Dedmer. They've always had the quarterback. They've always had the receivers, even though they think that this receiving core might be the best that they've ever had. And that's after losing Dax Milne to the draft. And they've had guys like Austin Colley in the past and Riley Nelson. They've just had so much talent up there because they recruit a very specific way. And when you combine that with a guy like Tyler Algier, who has over 1,100 yards rushing in those 17 touchdowns, he had 266 and five scores against Virginia. And They were up 21-0, blew it, but he was the reason why they came back and ended up winning that game and scored 66 points against a Power 5 team. Yeah. They had more than 730 yards of offense. So if you have an idea about how you want to stop them, you can say don't let them on the field, but <laughs> that might be easier said than done.
1: Maybe they can give wrong directions to Paulson Stadium. Maybe that's been tried before. Um, you know, they haven't been here before. They don't know where the stadium is.
0: Well, it, it's they're they're coming out on Thursday just to be sure. And I think it's about 2,100 miles from Provo to get down here. But the Kaladi Satake said, "Yeah, we're leaving on Thursday. We're going to get used to this. We've been to Atlanta a couple of times. We've been to Athens." Of course, we've never been to Statesboro, but this is also the start of a home and home because the Eagles are scheduled to go back out there in 24 for the first time ever. But since BYU is joining the Big 12 in two years, we don't know conference schedule-wise if they'll need that week to get somebody else or how that's going to shake down. But we do know that they're going to be in town here tomorrow at some point.
1: Yeah, I I know the, the players were asked on Monday at the BYU press conference about playing in Georgia and, uh, they mentioned about the, they expect humidity. I know it's, it's November, but it's, it is actually a warm day today. Uh, so maybe the, uh, the, the humidity will be a factor, uh, even if we don't feel it as much as they do. Uh, so we anticipate an excellent BYU team. Tell me about what you think about how Georgia Southern is playing. They're coming off a win, a wacky win. Uh, uh, Jake Spavidal called it a bizarre game. I think, uh, Kevin Whitley, uh, agreed, uh, you agreed too. some, some weird plays. Um, I guess, is there Vegas money on whether the, a punt will be blocked and returned for a touchdown, say, right before halftime? Let's just put it right on the nose there.
0: Well, the, the best way to avoid that is to not have to punt, but we'll, we'll see <laughs> if Georgia Southern can shred that BYU defense. There, there are a couple of ways that I think the Eagles can have success, and one, occupying the football like we already talked about. Don't go three and out. Get to third and short, then convert. As an option team, you want the third and one, the third and two, because you're designed to gain three, four yards every play. But consume the clock, run at short tempo. That doesn't mean slow it down, but that means frustrate them at your pace. Don't go with what they tell you to go with. And then find ways to make them tackle in space. And this is something that Virginia really exploited. Now, and I'm talking about an ACC offense against an independent, but in the second quarter, when BYU was up three scores, Virginia ended up scoring 35 points pretty quickly because BYU could not tackle in the open field. They found a way to spread them out, similar to what Baylor did a couple of weeks before. Baylor, though, did it mostly with the ground game, going with that wide zone scheme. And ironically, their C. Jeff Grimes, was at BYU the year before. So it could have helped that they knew him, but apparently he knew them better. That's why Baylor ended up winning that game and gave BYU its second straight loss. But the Eagles are going to have to find a way to do it their own way, whether it's dominating time of possession with the dive, implementing pitch where necessary, or trying to get short passes involved with Bo Johnson, with Caleb Hood, and even with somebody like a Derwin Burgess who erupted last week for 134 yards in the score. He can be just as valuable working the slot and the intermediate routes just like he can running the deep ball. The Eagles can get those safeties to suck in.
1: We have so much to ask you about. I know we're running short on time now. Uh, it, it seemed like when, when you're, I don't want to say running out of the string, but when a team doesn't have a bowl game to play for, they're not gonna be eligible. They don't have a conference title to play for. They have a new head coach who's sitting in the stands or in a, in a suite somewhere watching every move. So they have, um, an, in a sense, an extended audition period of four or five games here. What, do you think that um, they're gonna play the younger guys even more? They've had to play younger guys out of necessity yeah. Uh, do you think that they're going to play younger guys even more? And I mentioned this at the press conference. I had to write true freshmen several times. Whether you are talking about Eldrick Robinson, uh, uh, the linebacker, or Cam Ron, uh, Ransom, the, the quarterback, or Derwin Burgess Jr., the wide receiver, uh, and even Jalen White's only a true sophomore, 19 years old. The, these are guys that you're not you're not phasing out the juniors and seniors, but maybe these are guys that are going to use this this game and the next game to kind of show their wares a little more.
0: Well, like you talked about with the necessity point, because the Eagles have had injuries at wide receiver and at inside linebacker, the youth has had to play. Now, we've waited for Derwin Burgess to show us who he is. He had the ridiculous catch and spin move against Troy a few (laughs) weeks ago that should have resulted in a touchdown, and I'm sad that he only got 57 yards out of it, but he showed what he could do more so last week, and he also had a catch of 41 during the third quarter against Texas State. But for Eldrick Robinson and Mike Edwards, two true freshmen to step in, that early in the season and started inside linebacker, something that's never been done in the history of Georgia Southern football, you knew that it was going to be growing pains because they had just come off the scout team two weeks before. They weren't even in the mix. They were four and five On the depth chart, when you get the injuries to Todd Bradley Glenn, Marquez Watson Trent, you're trying to figure out who you can put in that gives you the best chance. They both run extremely well. They attack the football in the run game. They've gradually gotten there in the passing game. And I say that because Eldrick had the interception last weekend in the fourth quarter that kind of helped seal the game. But he's off his best performance. 12 tackles, tackle and a half for loss. The league agreed. Defensive player of the week. Edwards had Two tackles for loss in the game, and then Tyrell Davis at safety. He ends up with a scoop and score on the punt after Burgess blocked it. Freshman helping freshman, right? Davis has started okay. the last three weeks,
1: and Burgess was in in place of uh, Najee Thompson, who is the, the 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 special team czar of the team, if you will. He's he's the stud, and he's the one who's blocking uh, punts, and he probably felt a twinge of jealousy or or, or pride of of uh, Derwin blocking that punt where he I'm sure he would have been.
0: Look, I talked to Najee a lot, and I've always told him, you're going to block one every week, whether he's going to or not. I said, you're going to block one, you're going to block one. But knowing that teams have to dedicate multiple people to keep him away from the punter or to keep him from making tackles because he's been so good on special teams, I still think that gave him a lot of pride to see one of his buddies get the block last week, and especially when you get a touchdown out of it.
1: How, how are you going to – I know it's not the end of the season yet. still got two more games. But how how do you look at the season, or how do you think you will look at the season – uh, as a whole. We we, we all came in, in in August talking to Coach Chad Lunsford, who was starting his fourth full season. They were coming off of the uh, New Orleans Bowl victory, a convincing 38-3 to win over Louisiana Tech, which I, I don't know if you want to say they talked some trash, but they were certainly confident going up against Georgia Southern, and it, it got turned on its head there. Uh, so Georgia Southern would, had momentum going into the spring. They had a full spring as opposed to the COVID-impacted schedule of 2020. Uh, everything should have clicked, but it didn't, uh, and we could tear it apart piece by piece. Uh, the quarterback situation didn't didn't flow as it ex- promised to. Um, injuries, like you mentioned, uh, guys going to the NFL uh, who didn't have to, but obviously in their careers that was the best move to go to the draft or apply for the draft or whatever you want to call. It. But they they had strengths and weaknesses coming in. But I don't know if we saw a, a three and seven kind of team uh, coming onto the field and a coach getting fired at one and three uh and an uh, interim situation again and then uh, coach clay helton now uh itching to get started and already recruiting like a like a madman it looks like so what do, what is your uh now that i've hemmed and hawed here what do you uh what do you think about the season as a whole how are you going to remember 2021
0: know, Yeah, going into the year thinking that you were going to have to have a new quarterback anyway, because shy words had already announced he was going to transfer to Louisville and play wide receiver. But then you saw the other pieces leave. Raymond Johnson goes to the New York Giants. Rashad Byrd doesn't opt to come back. Reynard Ellis opted out, then transfers out. Kendra Duncan, after looking like he could have been the best safety in school history, he ends up transferring to Louisville. He's right. having a great season. And then you look on offense, the the injury started to come with J.D. King. He reaggravated the knee after he had the ACL last November. He never really got informed. I hope he gets a chance to play this weekend. I don't know if he's going to be available or not. And then it's just the, the injury started to pile up with Todd, the first scrimmage, and then with Marquez, the first game of the season against Gardner Webb, and he was playing so well, getting his first career start. Derek Canteen, second game of the season. Terrace's Tech Coral, you're down in all american
1: Arguably the best player on the team.
0: So the four guys that you had in the secondary that ended last season were there to return. And then half of them were gone in the snap of a finger. And then, oh, by the way, four games into the year, you lose your head coach. So at that point, everything got turned upside down and you had to wonder, okay, what can you reasonably expect over the final eight weeks? Who's going to lead this team? And how are you going to be able to keep the train wheels on the tracks? Nobody at that point could have known that Clay Helton was going to be in the plans. His name pops up and you're thinking, wait a minute, the USC guy is coming to Georgia Southern. Yes. The USC guy is coming to Georgia Southern. He won the press conference. He's been recruiting like crazy. He's addressed the team a couple of times. He's been meeting with all the players, all the coaches about where this program is going to go in just a couple of short weeks. But considering all these guys have had to deal with, especially these seniors who dealt with Tyson Summers getting fired halfway through 17, only to see Chad take over, get the job, and then in 19, the issue was shy before the season, the arrest, the bogus arrest, and then Jordan Wiggins' suicide happens midway through the season. These guys have just been punched so many times. It's a wonder that as many as they have have stuck this out to be able to walk on that field for senior day this weekend, whatever that number ends up being. So I, I have a lot of I have a lot of respect for the guys that stuck it out because life is going to show them that if you stick it out, you're going to get something out of it in the end. Whereas if you left. You never know, and you're always thinking what might have been. Now, three and seven stinks. Everybody in Statesboro knows that. But the lessons that they learn from this aren't going to be in the next couple of days and couple of weeks. These are lessons that are going to be learned throughout the rest of their lives because they stuck through it and they didn't run when they could have.
1: Danny did that all in one breath. That's a professional right there. You rattled that off, Danny, just chapter and verse. Danny's obviously lived it. Uh, right up close and personal he's he's uh, he knows the team better than uh, anybody um outside the locker room i would think um and uh we didn't even get to basketball which is a whole nother show i think <laughs> to do basketball we need that second hour that you and colin have um
0: oh we don't go two hours we got to cut no, her off after an hour no, we don't i don't mean a second full
1: hour. hour i mean you guys normally go about an hour and five minutes an hour and 15 minutes maybe yeah
0: give or take. Yeah.
1: yeah and uh it depends how much food talk there is but uh
0: yeah, we get going on food uh Depends <laughs> on where
1: we are, too. Yeah, I make sure to eat before I listen to the show because <laughs> or else I'll be too hungry. It's like watching the Food Channel on an empty stomach or going to the grocery store. Uh, Danny, uh, uh, it's good to talk to a fellow, a native Marylander. Um, well, technically, I wasn't born in Maryland, but I grew up there since age three, so I, I consider myself a Marylander. There's a few of us out there, and some of us make our way to uh, southeastern Georgia. So, uh, and uh, anyway, uh, it was good to see. Uh, to have Danny on the show. hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, We'll love to have you back next year, Danny, uh, and uh, talk about the Clay Helton era. That'll be, I mean, there's already excitement. We could just, just leave it there. There's, you can tell, you can sense people are excited.
0: Yeah. He has created a buzz without a doubt. Yeah.
1: And uh, I think that'll translate to um, fundraising and, and uh, future uh, facilities, the convocation center and a practice facility and all this stuff that you need to be a, uh, uh, what do we call it? The, um, uh, the platinum program?
0: He's calling it the platinum standard. And I've never heard anybody be that consistent with a phrase like that because usually it's the gold standard, but that's what everybody says. So yeah. George Southern wants to be the next step up which would be the platinum standard.
1: All right, well, we'll see how it goes. Danny, congratulations on all your success. Uh, good luck with basketball and uh, we'll leave it. How do you say Getty's last name?
0: Usapitis.
1: See, that's why he's a pro, everybody. You just learned something today. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. Thanks you for being go. on the show. Everybody, This, uh, like I said, we're taping on Wednesday, so hopefully you get a chance to listen to the podcast before the game. Uh, Saturday against BYU, 4 p.m. Paulson Stadium should be packed. And then we'll be back next week to uh, wrap up that, that game and talk about Appalachian State coming up in the season finale. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Green
0: Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields, touchdown Georgia Southern. Pass swings, on the way!